Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody and I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me and your heart will see that a song changes everything. Oh, oh. watching you see our our special guest we have with us for our intro just my son jj no cats today (laughs) we do have a baby and he's adorable so if you're listening you can go to our youtube channel and see jj um you might hear him too as he squeaks but um anyway as you know as new research is coming out about arts and health and arts and community health there's more and more evidence about indicating that artists are really are really public health care workers. The services that they provide are essential and should be accessible by all. And our guest today is from Musical Bridges Around the World, and that's their mission, is to increase arts accessibility. And they do that a bunch of different places, right, Richard? Yeah, they're uh, here in San Antonio, Texas, and we talked to Sue Hale um, about, I mean, and they work with everybody, from children to, from you. Yeah. Can you believe it? You, JJ. Yeah. to uh, older adults like anywhere in between that's what i love about it is that they have s- like sections for everybody and truly community health they like work with people around the world like yeah. they bring in world-class musicians from around the world to go into schools and to all of these different programs so people have access to it i just it's so amazing to me it's also it's access it's also um it's also increasing appreciation for Mm -hmm. other cultures and people groups where, you know, the only interaction experience a child might have with a particular people group is the bad news they hear on, on the television. But when an art, a musician comes in and plays music from that culture and shares about um, that culture and what they're experiencing, it gives them a different perspective. So it allows students that maybe are disadvantaged and couldn't, would never be able to travel to these countries. Um, they bring those countries to them and it's really cool. And then they do it for senior centers. And anyway, you're going to hear all about it. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel for this one as well, because we um, show a couple of videos of the work that they're doing and, and there are some testimonials from some of the people. And it's, I mean, there are children there who I will never even be as smart as, but (laughs) it's pretty sharp kids. Yeah. It's really cool. And then we have a giveaway. Yes. Watch, watch how you can win things. We have and, a musical uh, performance. There's all kinds of stuff in this. You're going to love it. So I don't know why we're talking when we could talk to Suhail. Go, go, go. Introduce Suhail. Driven by curiosity, he is impassioned by his work, bringing artistic excellence to all through musical bridges around the world, a nonprofit performing arts company engaging unique, renowned, and award-winning artists from, the, from across the globe right here in the Alamo City. His innate sense of wonder draws Suhail to creative, dynamic experiences, and he seeks human connection to enliven spaces while serving as the mayoral appointee to the San Antonio Arts Commission, chairing the Performing Arts, Film, and Music Committee. Uh, I mean, his 
resume could go there's like nine pages here I was go to musical bridges time. around the world to see his full bio because it's yes. he's done all kinds of cool stuff he's a gymnast he's a photographer he's awesome he's everything he's everything he's everything to us here at arts <laughs> for the help of it all right take a listen and take a watch enjoy well Suhail, it's so good to have you on today and i we've been wanting to do this episode for a while we love what musical bridges around the world does in san antonio and surrounding areas and just like it's ugh, it's just such a cool program. So thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. What um what is it? What is musical bridges around the world? And <laughs> how did you decide to get involved? And what is your role? What is Musical Bridges Around the World? We're a performing arts nonprofit organization founded by a Russian pianist nearly 25 years ago, back in 1998. We're coming up on our 25th anniversary here pretty soon. But wow came to be really organically. She was grew up in the Soviet Union, came here to play piano at the university as an accompanist. Her then husband was a professor. And they would have these little salon concerts in homes in the Hill Country here in Leon Springs and Dominion. And these artists would come that were their friends from Eastern Europe and Russia, and they would play these house concerts. And Hmm. They invite them just like they have salon concerts all over the world. And then Father David Garcia, then rector of Cathedral San Fernando, was just returning from Europe from sabbatical. And he said, gosh, in Europe, they use these great hallowed cathedrals and halls of worship for concerts in the evening to bring the public in. Hmm. They don't have to be parishioners. Can we do that at the cathedral with these musicians that you're bringing in? And Anya says, why not? So that's how Musical Bridges began with musical evenings at San Fernando Cathedral. It's grown to impact children and seniors. We have an art gallery, a piano competition. And essentially, we are driven to bring great art to all. We believe great art should be accessible. Mm. And so all of our public programming is free. And we work to shatter barriers and unite through this creative art form of music that brings us all together and transcends socioeconomics and politics and religion and all these human-created boundaries. Mm. Yes. And then how did you how did you come to Musical Bridges? And what's so I background? came to the organization. I'm actually from San Antonio, but was, was away for a decade and out west for school. And then I lived on the East Coast and then abroad. During my time in Japan, I worked for an NGO and I met this pianist and he was coming to a competition. He was an amateur because he worked in high temperature superconducting physics for research and development in Toshiba. That's what okay. I was going to go into. Yes. <laughs> That's, it was we that or this. <laughs> and look, you chose so well, Rick. Yes. <laughs> and I heard him playing once and I said, my goodness, you play really well. And he said, thanks. And I, I started to organize little concerts within our, our group, our organization there. And he said, um, you know, I've heard about this place called Texas and I'd love to come visit you. <laughs> and I said, you're coming to the country. Where are you going to be? He says, Colorado. I said, perfect. It's right next door. Come on down. <laughs> and so... He was going to this amateur competition in Colorado Springs and he played the competition and he won. And he came oh. down here and I took him horseback riding into the caverns because that's what you do when people visit San Antonio. He <laughs> loved it. He played at the house a little bit. And I said, gosh, maybe you should come back and you could play for the public. Now, I had been back in San Antonio two years, but I didn't know anything about anything. I had grown up here, but I had only I was in academia and athletics, very dedicated to know about the art scene. Didn't have a social life. I was working days and nights for the family business. And two years later, he was invited back as the encore performer for the same competition he'd won in Colorado. And he said, I'm coming back to your country, and I love Texas, so I want to come stay with you again. And if you want to do a concert, I'll play. 
And so at our little gymnastics center that we have, one of the moms happened to be on the board of this organization called Musical Bridges Around the World. So I thought I'd ask her. I said, I've got this friend from Japan that's coming. He plays piano really well. Maybe he could play for you guys. And she said, well, I serve on the board, but why don't you call up the founder? Because she's also a pianist. And I'd never met this woman before. And I sent her the video link of my friend and I called her up. She goes, performance looks good. We have cathedral. We make free concerts. You do all publicity, okay? <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I didn't know what marketing or publicity was. So I went through the phone book and I looked at all the music schools and piano teachers and I printed a flyer and sent it out. And we had standing room only and he got a three-minute standing ovation. Oh. And Anya comes to me at the concert and she says, you do good marketing and publicity. You join my board, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I came to be a musical bridges. I served on the board a couple of years, was vice president, development director, and now working in advancement. And it's been actually 10 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, what, what a story. <laughs> <laughs> Have you picked up any musical talents during this time? Or are you still an appreciator? Just, yes. <laughs> that's, that's my role in all of this as well. So I get that. I think you sing, no? No, 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 oh. no. <laughs> Nope. Hum, you hum. I sing. He yeah. hums. Yeah. Oh, I know I... you sing and play <laughs> piano and everything else. All the things. Um, well, I think what some people um, may not realize is, you know, the field of arts and health incorporates, you know, the arts that are happening in healthcare spaces, but also arts for community health that really artists and arts accessibility. Let me back up really artists are public health workers, that we help people process their emotions. We help um, provide so avenues for social connection and cohesion. Um, we're helping to build those bridges um, across divides. And I love what Musical Bridges is doing because you really are providing arts accessibility. And I'd love for you to talk about, um, well, let's start first with what you're doing with education and with kids and what that's what the impact that's having in schools. So talk about that first and then we'll move on to the, some of the other things. So the program called Kids to Concerts actually began with these same musicians that were coming for the house concerts and then the cathedral concerts being in town. And we learned back over 20 years ago that the first thing to be cut in schools when budgets are cut is arts because it's not seen as critical or priority or doesn't mm -hmm. have the same level of importance as other core subjects as they're defined here. And so we thought, well, we've got these artists coming. Maybe they could perform for the kids. Seems like a good idea. And everybody thought that'd be nice. But the reality was that though the teachers or administrators might have thought it was a great idea. They said, well, we don't have time in our school day. We've got to teach all these subjects and the kids have to take these tests and they have to perform mm. with these ratings. So, you know, it's that's nice, but we don't have time for that. And this educator, he was in the Southwest Independent School District by the name of Caleb Gonzalez. He was a band teacher came to us and said, gosh, what you guys want to do in your programming is really cool and it's dynamic, it's international. If you want to get into school systems, you've got to somehow tie it to their curriculum, what they're teaching. So we thought, well, the artists are international and they've got social studies, so that could be a pairing. And so that's how we got into the schools with social studies and flag symbolism and costume and linguistics and all these elements that the musicians are actually bringing because they're international. Mm. So that's how the program began. And once we got into the schools, then they couldn't get enough of it. Now, Today, we've got over 127 schools on the waiting list for our program, but wow. Wow. it has evolved in the two decades since. And a few years ago, we launched a pilot to look at the actual academic impact on the kids and how does this 
you know, funders said, well, this is well and good. You know, it's cultural. It's nice. As an arts organization, we believe in arts for art's sake. But sometimes when you're communicating to people that don't work in our space, you've got mm -hmm. to demonstrate why it's critical, why it's important. It, you know, we live in a young country. The reality is that arts is sometimes seen as discretionary. It's entertainment. It's value added. It's not necessarily defined as something that is core to society or like it is sometimes in the old world. Mm -hmm. And so the the funder, this particular funder was saying, we'd love to have some demonstrable metrics that we can look at to see this program that we're funding and what it really means. So we designed a pilot study for three schools over the course of three years to look at, you know, a control and a, a study school and then a baseline on what the incorporation of arts into the STEM curricula to make it STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, did for them. And so what we found is that kids who are looking at maybe a mathematics equation on a formula might not resonate with them, but then they hear mathematics to the rhythm of a drum. Mm. And all of a sudden that connects in a different way with their learning. Same thing with Bernoulli's equation in the, in the movement of sound, airwaves through a trumpet, say, or a woodwind instrument. It's accessing, they don't know that it's necessarily math or physics, but they're learning it and that's the result, right? So it's the same way. Now we've created actually these modules and that program that was a pilot study was then, it was initially funded by our board chair for three years. And then the Impact Foundation uh, supported the scaling of it to the tune of $100,000. They, they really believe in this program. And now we're, we have a team of curriculum writers. We work with UT Health, with University of Texas San Antonio, their humanities education department. Mm. So real academics looking at the results, uh, measurable, looking at now emotional impact for the kids and what it does for their well-being that way. But these modules, especially during the pandemic when we had to be virtual, the teachers were so in need of content. I mean, how do you teach the kids on a mm. screen all day long? Mm. So to keep their attention, we developed these modules. For example, when we did Spain, they journeyed through Spain, studying geometry through Picasso with education director at the McNay. Oh, cool. Colonial architecture through the Spanish missions that are UNESCO World Heritage. So they're traveling in their own city. And we had a culminating performance by a flamenco dancer. And oh, wow. So these modules were created. We did the same thing with Japan. We did the same thing with Russia. And so these became very, very popular. And now, because of the ability to program virtually, we're not even limited to what's just happening where the performers can go directly to the school because it's virtual. So we've scaled now. Our first program during the pandemic, we did in May of 2020, and we had upwards of 46, uh, 18, I think it was 46 schools, 18,000 kids is what they estimated. Wow. And oh now gosh. it's even grown to be out of, city out of state and people are really interested in the programming so that's gets to concerts and musical sprouts two arms of our educational engagement programming that's so cool uh, and i think you sent over a video about musical sprouts mm -hmm. um so we'd we're like gonna to... attempt to play it here and see what happens yeah let's our watch kids have never been exposed to anything other than divine texas and as great as divine is as good a place it is to live it doesn't have, it doesn't show these kids what they need to know to be successful in the world. They need other experiences. That is what Musical Bridges brings to our kids. This whole little area is uh, predominantly Hispanic. And so economically disadvantaged here at Price Elementary, we're 98%. We have the demographics of students who are economically disadvantaged, over 60%, but then we also have students who are coming from various other backgrounds, higher socioeconomic status. But within each of those groups is a cultural melting pot of over 23 languages spoken at home here. Whenever I teach a lot of my kids, they ask me, 
where am I going to use this? Why am I learning it? With Musical Sprouts, I am teaching them math, I'm teaching them science, I'm teaching them all different, straight across four different subjects and relating it to real world. Musical Sprouts last year changed our school for the better. I've seen my teachers change. I've seen them change how they think about STEAM education. I had one while ago just told me, I wish we could get further into it. So can we adopt this curriculum as our state a, a curriculum? So we want stuff like this that are more interactive. The brightest, best moment of that was when the Japanese artist, when he was playing the ghost flute. I think the sound really spoke to me because the resonating slow notes, it made me feel at peace with the world. I'm reading a book about Mother Teresa and she lived it. She went to India to live there for a little bit. I finally just figured that out. I hope it grows to where this is something that every school is gonna want to put in, in place. I would like to have it replace our current social studies curriculum. Is that terrible to say that? I love, okay, scratch that, <laughs> scratch that. I just love it so much. I think we should be teaching like this all the time. Kids are gonna learn three countries a year. And then next year they're gonna move up and in fourth grade and they're gonna learn another three countries. And then fifth grade, another three countries. So by then they'll have learned nine countries in elementary. It's helping students learn how to be around others and not just the word tolerance, but acceptance and being able, the word used earlier was compassionate about the differences going on and thinking on a global level and getting students to think bigger than their little world. It could build compassion, not like Martin Luther King said, you do not want to segregate. Like you don't segregate. So that, that's basically separation based on race. This is basically race and culture. So if you separate based on culture, if you listen to this, you can understand that these people have feelings too. They're not demons, they're humans. I must show compassion. They can become my friends. Okay, first of all, Avi, I mean, where did he come from? And can I be him when I grow up? <laughs> Even yes, we train eight. all of our child actors intensive training. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> no, these kids. It's it's actually really interesting because one thing that they touched on is that our focus schools, the the campuses that we really try to prioritize are the ones in these underserved Title I districts and communities because they might not be leaving their neighborhood, much less the city, state, or the country. Mm-hmm. And so to bring the world to them gives them access to you know, you think about what we hear in the news, which is sometimes focused on conflict and negativity and violence, our international news, everything that's wrong with the world. Mm. So when these kids are experiencing the world through culture and music and art and beauty, and they experience a creativity, that is their first impression instead of, you know, everything that we're accustomed to. So all of a sudden they have something to counter what a stereotype may come to them later as in mm. terms of news media. So we think that's really important. Oh my gosh, um, so much. I mean, besides Anya forcing you into all of your positions at musical bridges around the world. By the way, she doesn't actually have an accent like that. That's just part of my, that's just how I do a Russian accent. (laughs) I mean, she has an accent. I've met her before. There's definitely an accent there. She's lovely. Yes, I love her. Um, But what keeps you around? Like, what what is it about the whole thing? Because there are other places you could go and you could still experience music. But what about musical bridges Mm -hmm. keeps you coming back? I never thought I would 
come back and live in San Antonio. They call us boomerangs, those that grow up here and, and move back. And I fell in love with the city I grew up in when I moved, not initially, after the first two years when I wasn't working days and nights anymore. And I started to experience the art and culture that we have going on. And when I came upon Musical Bridges and started serving on the board and then eventually became staff, I saw the value, not just of the organization, but like you begin to feel value yourself when you are able to contribute an impact in a way. And that's what I feel like our organization has done and been able to scale over the past decade that I've been here, certainly with audience development, with the growth of our programming, with the engagement, with the relationships that we've built with partner organizations, both mm -hmm. philanthropically, foundation, corporation, civic, and that our goal is for Musical Bridges to become a household name in San Antonio. And in the art space, everybody knows us now, but we want to go further than that. And we want, you know, we actually had a strategic not a strategic planning retreat really, but a staff retreat a couple of weeks ago to kind of think about our strategic plan and our vision for the future as a staff. And it was really fun because we have to dream 25 years ahead and mm. think about, you know, where we came from. We're coming up on our 25th anniversary. We've got some exciting plans to celebrate that and our vision for the future. And we've got such a young, dynamic, adaptive, creative staff that everybody is kind of a self-starter and none of us are, we were talking about this yesterday, in a meeting, the only one that's trained to do what they do is Sean. <laughs> Sean studied <laughs> music business marketing, and that's what he does for us. Like he came straight out of college and is like doing what he's meant to do. The rest of us have no idea what we're doing. We just it all grew very organically. Feels uh, familiar. Yeah. Welcome yeah. Welcome. Like our development director, Julie, I put herself through development school and mm. how to you know do fundraising you know formally. Uh, but Anya is trained as a musician, our artistic coordinator. They're both doctorates and double doctorates in piano performance and pedagogy from Russia, from the U.S. And everybody else is kind of like, we just love the organization. So we figure out how to make it work. And yeah. I think that's what keeps me coming back and engaged. And also, we are commissioning work. We're bringing in Grammy Award winning Ben Clyburn, Tchaikovsky artists from around the world. And we're keeping them here for a week. Some of them may have never even heard of San Antonio when they hit the ground. They're mm. like uh, Alamo, Spurs, maybe. But when they come here, because we're taking them to schools and senior centers and the cathedral and house concerts and all of these things, they might be here, here for the better part of a week. They're like, wow, what is this place? When I drive them to the airport, like, when can we come back? This was so fun. Aww. They really get to know San Antonio. They become ambassadors of our city and our organization globally. And globally, you know, the network of musicians is is pretty tight. Like people know each other and they talk about experiences they've had in different organizations and cities. So we kind of feel like we're ambassadors for San Antonio through the musicians that we bring in and then send out also. So when the artists come here, they might not have even met artists that they're working with because we're commissioning original work. So that's also really cool because we're mm. fusing sometimes classical with jazz, folk, and all sorts of fun genres in between. So that is absolutely dynamic and super fun and bringing that and working with the artists and spending time with them and sharing that with the community. I mean, who wouldn't want to come back? <laughs> not a bad gig. If you not a bad it, gig. Right? Not a bad gig. Well, you mentioned one of the, one of the programs that um, I want to hear about as well is your senior program, like bringing, well, I'll let you talk about it. Um, tell us about what you guys do with seniors. Golden age. And that program, when we tried to look at our, most vulnerable populations, those that had least access to the arts, you think about mobility, 
You think about transport, you think about health. I mean, you guys take the musicians directly to the patients that need them, which is amazing. Uh, we thought about our respected elders in San Antonio, those in retirement communities, sometimes in senior centers within their neighborhoods that are not leaving or don't have the opportunity to get out mm -hmm. or the means to buy a ticket and go to the Tobin or the Empire or a concert. So we started to bring the musicians straight to them. And we found certain things, even with kids, work and some things are don't work in those settings. And things, especially folk music, mm. singers love and yeah. they get up and dance. And oh. I think we, we sent you that video too. There's yeah, just we'll, like, we'll play that in a second. Yeah. It's just the, we had this woman come up afterwards because you don't know what people's backgrounds are. They're here, they've had a full life. One woman said, uh, you know, thank you for wiping the dust from my soul after a concert. She was an opera singer oh. growing up and we had an opera singer that was performing and it's just these reactions that you get. But we know, I mean, scientifically proven is that the the emotional impact of music, uh, what it does for memory, what it does for you know, anxiety, for depression, the way that it accesses neural networks and not just playing music, but also listening to music. It has a powerful effect and the fact that we can bring that to our seniors in their own spaces and impact their quality of life is uh, is really special to us. Mm, so cool. Well, I just, that reminded me that I have a friend whose grandfather has uh, dementia mm -hmm. and we just saw a video that his mom was out in California visiting and she sent a video of him up dancing to one of his favorite songs and all of a sudden he started singing it. And he was like, oh, my gosh, he remembers the words. Oh. And then I felt really special because I was like, well, this is why. <laughs> like, that, this is why he can remember the words. And this is like part of, you know, I was like, duh, this is what I do. Like, you know, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. I want to show the video that you uh, sent over. Golden Age breathes new life into our respected elders. The concerts instill within them a sense of youth, health, and vivacity. Each concert transports a captive audience to exotic locales the world over. Studies continue to demonstrate the positive impact music has on patients suffering from all forms of neurological disorders, including dementia. Its benefits affect both the physical and mental issues that stem from mental illness. Golden Age is an asset to senior centers and communities, as residents are freed of the logistical and financial challenges of transport and ticketing fees. about what we wanted to talk I know. About. I it's so it's so wonderful and it's it just makes me think about something you said earlier um about the United States being kind of a young country and not having as high or a central view of the arts in, within our American culture. You travel a lot, you've lived in other countries where that's not necessarily that's not a different situation and I would love to hear the impact that you see that the art have in other countries where it's a little bit more part of the, it's a little bit more central part of the culture um, and what you think the United States could benefit from incorporating that, the arts a little bit more centrally here. Wow. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we have five minutes left. <laughs> On a Friday afternoon. This is what we're yeah. asking. <laughs> so, of course, my family is from India and in the old world, like Mexico, it's just it's part of the culture, part of your upbringing. But to have more of an apples to apples example, I always like to use Berlin mm -hmm. and Berlin's a, a city of what, 
maybe three, three and a half million. And their investment, I think, probably from a city and state is upwards of $500 million in the arts. And that supports in the performing arts world, you know, eight orchestras, three operas, hundreds of museums, thousands of galleries. And so what do you think of when you think of the beacon of uh, uh, like the center of arts in, in the Western world? I mean, Berlin is such a great example. Even San Antonio, we have a residency there through Blue Star. Mm. And you look at the economic impact, right? What's the strong, strongest state in the EU? It's Germany. Like people, mm. everybody wants to be in, in Germany because they've got this kind of robust e economy and this creative sector that they invest in. And mm. it, you know, it gives back in spades. Like the, the orchestras and you know, from our world musically, we draw from so many musicians in that culture and we see that type of state support. Um, you know, and their arguments Social states are, you know, bad words sometimes in, in in our country when you say that. But there are certain things that, when supported by the state, have a real trickle effect. Like if you think about our, say, symphony in, our, in San Antonio, right? They've got close to a three hundred million dollar direct and indirect economic impact. Right? You've got musicians from top tier conservatories around the world that are making their livelihood here. They're paying taxes. They're owning homes. They're raising their families. They're teaching children aside from playing in the orchestra and then the people that come to see those concerts at 72 musicians plus support staff they've got they're going out to eat there's maybe staying in hotels you know they're buying drinks at the tobin all of these things have a major economic impact so when i speak to our civic leaders and corporate leaders that may not work in the art space and may not see it as kind of essential part of our our ecosystem that's you have to speak in terms of economics sometimes mm. or talking to teachers, sometimes it's what's the academic impact. So it kind of, you have to be able to, I guess, refine the message to your audience. Um, we're a performing arts company, but something you said earlier was really interesting talking about social services. Mm -hmm. And we did our international music festival virtually this past March. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing, but we kind of figured it out. <laughs> and part of that virtual festival, because normally we have five to eight concerts all over the city with unique pairings and some really great artists, and as part of the virtual production, we had an arts leadership panel. And so we invited different arts leaders from around the country, mm. uh, one from Detroit, the Sphinx organization, one of our great partners run by Afa Dvorkin, another funder here in San Antonio, the Kronkowski Foundation, and Tullus Wells was one of those guests. And he said something that really kind of struck us as an organization. He said, Kronkowski is not necessarily about supporting the arts. We're kind of interested in social services and that, and we understand the important social service that musical bridges provides and we were like wow we didn't think of ourselves in that way and maybe we kind of like need to Missing think the about boat here we, a little bit <laughs> yeah we're just good i mean we again performing arts company that's what we do yeah. and that's what we believe in that's what we breathe we don't see ourselves as an education organization but we are in that space because of the dearth of arts in the schools uh we would love for our curriculum to be adopted by the state and provide artists all day long but let them deal with the curriculum because they're the educators right but right, right. now we're <laughs> in the process of putting that together so sometimes you don't know what you do and how people perceive you but mm. um there's a, there's a great value to having a, a buy-in from the state in supporting arts organizations because we have an amazing performing arts center we've got nice theaters here in town, but organizations that sometimes have to keep those buildings alive struggle. Mm -hmm. And that's a constant 
It's a constant. Mm-hmm. So I work as a mayoral appointee to the Public Art Commission. And so that's always my my argument is that we have to make sure to support the organizations in addition to the beautiful buildings like the Tobin and the theaters. For sure. It makes me think of an article I read the other day about, you know, now that we're in this new virtual world, mobility for young professionals um, is going to be higher than maybe it's ever been because you can work for Google and live in San Antonio. You can, you don't have to like live just in the Silicon Valley or just in New York. You can kind of live wherever. And so these big um, cities are having to vie for, they're having to kind of like market themselves to these young professionals. And they did some surveys about like what, what impacts um, a young professional's decision to move to a a particular city First was generally education, but a close second was arts and culture accessibility. So it's one of those things that people do care about and do deserve to be um, invested in because they do have this kind of holistic um, ripple effect um, on the whole ecosystem. Yeah, and it's not even just millennials. I remember Tracy Wolf, the first lady of our county, talking with her and her telling me a story about when she and Nelson were going to recruit Ed Whitaker here to come run AT&T. And his first question was, do you have a symphony? And not that he was necessarily a symphony goer or a musician himself, but he was interested in the entire ecosystem of where he might be heading a company, leading a company, because families, when they're relocating, are looking at education, at infrastructure, you know, healthcare. They're looking at arts and culture, parks and recreation. Those are all components. But just asking that one question was a nice way for him as a barometer. Like he can gauge the health of the city by how much the arts are supported. And mm. that was a really, in, that was kind of an interesting thing because it's, it's a reputation as a city. So yeah, if you're a millennial or if you're a corporation looking to, all of those things are important. The arts and culture definitely rise to the top. So our investment of them as individuals, as companies, and as, as public, you know, through our public dollars, is, I think is, is critical. Mm. Well, I always am impressed with the the new innovations that um, Musical Bridges comes up with and the way you're really driving accessibility for the arts in our area and now serving, you know, other places too virtually. It's just been really cool to hear about it. Yeah. I want to take a quick break because I want to talk about when we come back kind of what you have been talking about the next 25 years, what's happening at Musical Bridges. And then we have a giveaway. We have live music coming up. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back after this. Whether you consider yourself a musician or not, music is all around us and it affects our everyday lives. Whether it's background music influencing our shopping habits in a store, organ music adding the vibe to a baseball game, or a playlist convincing us to keep going on that last mile of a run. I'm Mindy Peterson, host of the podcast Enhanced Life with Music, where we take a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives through the lens of science and health, sports and entertainment, business and education. You can find me and Enhanced Life with Music at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast or wherever you get your audio. Unleash the power of music. All right, we're back uh, with Suhail and Musical Bridges Around the World. You talked about um, your meeting with with Musical Bridges and what was happening in the next 25 years and how exciting that was to be able to actually think that far ahead. So is there anything that you can kind of sneak peek us on today? 
Yeah, all top that. secret. All top yeah. secret. Locked and sealed in a time capsule. We can only open in 25 years to see if we meet okay. our goals. Every year you come back and you reveal a little bit more. Maybe the next couple of years. Yeah. Maybe we don't go that Yeah, I, I mean, I'll share some of my personal goals. And I touched on it earlier is that I would love to see our Musical Sprouts curriculum adopted statewide and that we become active programmers providing artists bringing the cultural component and schools really understanding the importance and the value of steam and kids growing up in our city engaged globally understanding Mm. world cultures and remember they're children they're our audiences of tomorrow so if we want healthy performing arts companies here to be patronized by the citizens of our city, not just visitors. We've got to create that interest. We've got to, to generate the, those concert goers. And so that's so important is that exposure at a young age for all of our kids across mm-hmm. districts in every district from one to 10 to have that exposure. So I would love to see that. You know, we in 2016 absorbed a 32 year old organization called the San Antonio International Piano Competition. Oh, we renamed it the Gerwitz after Ruth Jean Gerwitz, who was a major force in the classical arts here for many years. And uh, we it's a quadrennial, so it's a piano competition every four years, like our little Olympics. And we had that took place in January, February of 2020, just before the shutdown. We worked four years on that competition. We had 76 applicants from 21 countries, and we flew the 12 finalists here from all over the world. We had four rounds of competition. We commissioned original work. We had a Latin music round, a world music round, partnering with musicians from Yo-Yo Ma, Silkwood Ensemble, finale with the symphony and the Tobin, a grand prize of $25,000, gold medal, and bringing back those artists, getting them to play with symphonies around the country and even in Mexico. So we want to see that grow. We want the purse to grow. We want the exposure to grow. We look up to the Clyburn in Fort Worth as an amazing example of the power of piano performance and what that can do for communities that are engaged, not just from an economic standpoint, but inspiring young musicians in the community. So we hope to continue to grow and amplify that every four years. And we have an art gallery uh, that's in Leon Springs that are kind of our offices right now, but we'd love to eventually have a downtown headquarters to be part mm. physically of uh, the the arts and the economic ecosystem of the downtown existence and maybe on the river and have a performing arts space and a Russian tea room and an wow. art gallery and a recording studio and have if a we're record not label invited for to this opening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you said 25 years, right? So yeah, but yeah these are our, some of our big ideas that yeah. are maybe going into the time capsule and we'll see where we get, but uh, we're always working on something. It's exciting. It's an exciting time for San Antonio actually. It really is. Yeah, and I'm listening to you speak about it, and you're not a professional artist, and you're not all these things, but, like, did you ever think this would be your life? Like, doesn't it, don't you, like, paint yourself sometimes? <laughs> like, what, how did I get here? Yeah, yeah. You know, my background's in neuroscience, and classics is what I studied, and I started off going to grad school. It was a joint research med program, and realized early on that I couldn't spend the next eight years of my life life in a lab. Hmm. And I moved to a small fishing village in Northwest Japan for what I call my year at Walden Pond. Hmm. And that's when I kind of reflected on what is it that I want to do? And this was not it. I didn't know. Hmm. I actually love photography and I wanted to be a photojournalist. My dream job, maybe someday in the future of National Geographic. You know, I love (laughs) photography and I do it, you know, for fun. 
But uh, yeah, this is a dream working, living at home in San Antonio in this amazing city that's this confluence of cultures that uh, I'm equidistant from the East and West Coast where I have friends and family and mm -hmm. you know, 90 minutes flight to Mexico City. So mm -hmm. we've got 60 direct flights. So we've kind of in the center of the country and this great emerging city, this great cultural hub. Uh, yeah, it's it's all great. <laughs> and there are so challenges cool. to be sure, but when you have these challenges and things that you do have this impact and you see the growth and you see the potential, then it's exciting because it motivates you to work harder because you know you can make a difference. So you do have a giveaway. Yes, right? you have something special. I don't if you're you watching may. this, you maybe have already <laughs> seen the giveaway. Well it we'll give you a new one, but not the one well maybe the one he's using. No no actually we're out so I'm just gonna wash this rinse it oh, out okay. and send it over yeah. to you. I don't but, know. Do we have any more, Sean? Do we have any more mugs? <laughs> He's not sure. I may be washing this one. I'll, it's the one, really, it's the one Sean's soap. drinking out of. Well, yeah. show us the mug. Show us the musical bridges around the world. Head over to our uh, social media at Arts for the Health of It and learn how you can win a musical bridges around the world mug, which I don't know if I'm allowed to enter that, but I love coffee mugs, so I'm going to try. I will make up a get, fake account. You might get several entries from Richard. From me, yes. Well, and for people that are maybe hearing and love what you're doing and want to connect with you guys, maybe find out how they can support you, um, how can people do all those things? Where should, okay. where should they go? You don't have to just be a world-famous Grammy Award-winning musician to perform for Musical Bridges. We actually uh, capitalize on the talent in our very own community and our Staff is actually also artistic, which you'll hear in a moment. But we do this annual benefit, a gala called D's on Keys. And the D's are the PhDs, the JDs, the DDSs, even the GEDs in our community that have these latent musical talents. They've got their own professional careers. And most people don't know this, but they once a year for five minutes get on stage and they share that talent and invite their friends, neighbors, colleagues to come and participate and sponsor a table or buy buy seats or sponsorships to come hear them perform. And we're doing it over a champagne brunch at the Tobin Center for the Performing Arts this year. It was supposed Ooh, to be last what? year. We did it virtually, got postponed, and we're doing it September 12th, Sunday morning, 11 a.m. in HEV Performance Hall at the Tobin Center for the Performing Arts. So they can find that information on our website at mbaw.org and just click under programs, D's on Keys, and many other ways to give. They can. We have underwriters for title sponsors programs. We've got membership concerts that are special kind of sneak previews for our members the night before the public concerts at the cathedral or intimate whining and dining in beautiful spaces from the Roosevelt Library to beautiful homes around San Antonio based on levels of giving where we get special access to the artists for our, our donors and our patrons to thank them for supporting our work and making art accessible to all. Awesome. That sounds so fun. Yeah. The, the, the membership previews are really nice soirees i have to say yeah <laughs> you've joined us haven't you yeah. yeah they're really cool um well i think we have something special from sean right yes yeah, so would you like to introduce him and what he's doing sure and he might be wearing one of the other raffle prizes i think we have a fiesta do we have any fiesta medals left <gasps> we have prizes. yes fancy yeah well, so as I mentioned, our founder, our CEO, our artistic director is a pianist, as is our artistic coordinator. And I think our donor relations specialist is a violinist and our branch manager is a pianist. But our wow. marketing manager is a guitarist and he sings and he is going to be 
Oh, there's Fiesta Metal. This is the Fiesta Metal. Nice. nice. And with that, we welcome to the stage, Sean Keithus. Yay! Okay, tell us a little bit about what you're going to play. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Can Can you guys hear this okay, though? Yep. yep. Great. Uh, this is a... Uh, it's just... Uh, I got into... You know, I'm a quarter Greek, I think. Yeah, a quarter Greek. So um, I like to look for Greek things, even though I still don't speak it. I tried looking into learning how to speak Greek in, in like a book and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's really hard. It's but, hard. Yeah, it's a hard but, language. <laughs> but at least I, I know how to play music. So maybe I can play mm -hmm. some Greek music. Uh, this is just an old Greek folk song. I think it's called, it's uh, in English, it's called The Three Boys from Voyota. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, it's just, it's just a pretty short, simple Greek uh, folk song. Um, and I don't think there's any copyright uh, infringement. Uh, <laughs> public it's, domain. It's, public Excellent. domain is from a while ago. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Take Perfect. it away. Okay, cool. Pedia, <laughs> Pes For playing, for providing a musical bridge. <laughs> a musical bridge. To Greece. From one side of the city to the other. <laughs> and from one side of the city to the other. Yes. Uh, well, thank you. I don't know where Suhail went, but yeah, thank I'll you. I mean, Sean, you don't have to leave too. We want to thank you. You can both be on <laughs> camera. It obviously looks really good. Look at how we look. <laughs> But uh, thank you so much for jumping on and, and uh, talking with us today and performing for us. It's been a pleasure. 
thank you guys. It's good to be here, and we love yeah. the work that you guys do. So we uh, we're grateful to be part of the program. Thanks for thinking of us. Thank of you. course. Go to heartsneedart.org/podcast, and you can get all the notes from today and the links for today's episode. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're watching or listening, and we will uh, see you or you'll hear us next week. Take Bye, care. Everyone. Bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers, in partnership with the National Organization for Arts and Health. You can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartseedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create art for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartseed Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.